Thank you to everyone who listens to Convo's Court across the globe. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 274 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. Punch down on that follow button if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app. Leave a comment on the Apple Podcast app. Let me know how you feel about the show if that's where you're listening as well. Shouts to everyone who listens on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Combos Court. Share this episode, man. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media. Share it on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo on Instagram. Would greatly appreciate it. Appreciate all the continued support. A great way to support this podcast is to check out and join in as a Combos Court Patreon. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Today's show, Max Van Auken, host of the MVP podcast, joins in to talk about the McGregor-Poirier fight, McGregor's injury, Team USA's exhibition loss to Nigeria, Buck Suns, and more. A fantastic conversation with Max you could find Max on Instagram at Max underscore Van underscore Alkin. That's M-A-X underscore V-A-N underscore A-U-K-E-N. You know you could find me on Instagram, as I said before, at 1-2-Combo. You could find me on Twitter at Combos Court. That's C-O-M-B-O-S-C-O-U-R-T. And without further ado, intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. of the MVP podcast. Max has covered the Orlando Magic. He covers mixed martial arts. And Combo Nation has heard Max a lot on this show because we often record for Max's show and put it right here on Combo's Court. So if you listen to Combo's Court, there's a good chance you know who Max is. Uh, Max, welcome back to the show, man. How you feeling? I appreciate it. You are my favorite show to uh, make a guest appearance on, my friend. You're actually the number one guest on my show. So I think we're the dynamic duo. It's always great when we record. We are a dynamic duo, Max. We sure are. Um, what a crazy weekend in sports. First, I want to get to Dustin Poirier, McGregor. We all, we all see what happened to his ankle, and that's what everybody's talking about. And we'll get to that. But outside of the ankle, what were your biggest takeaways from the fight? Okay, so there's a couple things. So Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, well, no one's questioning the draw. Like, it's the biggest pay-per-view, everything that involves Connor. So from an entertainment perspective, it's exactly what you wanted. Obviously, not the ending that you wanted. But what my whole takeaway was this. This was the whole storyline was Connor's the richest athlete um, last year. And tw- uh, he made $400 million. A lot of it had to do with this proper 12 whiskey that he sold. Now, the question was, will he have that drive and that hunger when you have that much money in the bank account, like Marvin Hagler has a famous saying, it's hard to train um, when you're sleeping in silk sheets. And so we haven't seen that hungry Conor, that vintage Conor McGregor, because he doesn't really have anything to fight for. 
And so going into this fight, we're like, well, now he does. And no one thinks he's going to win. If he wins, he's immediately going to get a title shot. And he lost to this guy. All the marbles are on the line. So this is going to be the old Conor McGregor. If anything is going to get the old Conor, it's going to be this fight. And so last fight, he had a very boxing-oriented approach. This one, he immediately came out. I predicted the first strike he was going to throw was a spinning kick. He came out with a karate stance again. He started throwing more kicks. I'm like, okay, that's the Conor that we saw. But there's this something combo that you can tell within that few a couple flurries that they had, that is not the old Conor McGregor. And I can tell you why. When you watch his old Conor tape, when you watch old Conor film, his whole thing was when he, when he beat Jose Aldo, when he beat Eddie Alvarez, um, Dustin Poirier the first time, was when he fought, it was about timing over speed. And he always said accuracy and timing will always beat speed any day of the week. And his counter striking was, even though he always presses forward, like Anderson Silva, his counter striking is what separated him as an elite striker. When you see, when you watch the fight, how he just fought Dustin, his counter striking was not on point at all. He got tagged and then he kind of bunched up. The old Connor never bunched up. He was always loose. He was always nimble and he got tense. And so even though that was an early stoppage because of the doctor and his ankle, he was going to lose that fight. And I even picked Connor to win that fight. He was going to lose that fight. Granted, I'm not even talking about the ground and pound and getting taken down. Just by the way I saw in that first couple of seconds, I'm like, yeah, the fight's over. He's just not himself. Yeah, it must be crazy having a world-class fighter on top of you throwing punches when your ankle is not even in place. Imagine. And still talk. And he's still talking smack. <laughs> I know you just said that, you know, Poirier would probably win. How do you think it would end if you had to predict it if that horrific, unfortunate ankle injury never happened? The next round. I think Dustin Poirier probably. Because here's the thing. Connor is known to be a sprinter, not a marathon runner. And so that first round, first two rounds, you're like, stay away from him. So the fact that Dustin was already to have that had that much success that early on in the fight is not a good sign at all. Like he's not supposed to do what he did in the first round. Maybe you expect that uh, maybe in the third, fourth round, Dustin will be able to do that. The fact that he was able to do that in the first round is a terrible sign. So going into the second round, it would have only just progressed. And I think Dustin probably would have walked away. I said to my people listening on the podcast, I was like the best bet you can make to make the most, get the most return for your um, investment was a Dustin Poirier submission because Vegas always thinks KOs with these guys. Submission, you would have made the most money. I think he probably would have taken Connor to the ground in the second round. And he probably, when Connor gets flurried, whenever he gets ground and pounded, he doesn't like to get knocked out or TKO'd. So what he does is he turns and gives his back. That's how Nate Diaz beat him. He probably would have gotten submitted. McGregor tried to put him in the guillotine for a second, right? Yeah, the dumbest move he could have done. And I'm not trying to tear down an athlete because it's so much easier said than done. But Dustin Poirier is a veteran and he's really good on the ground. Conor McGregor was not going to really get taken down. And so when you go for that risk, I know he was trying to go for the finish, but you just gave up your complete. It's always supposed to be a position before submission. I'm not trying to act like I know more than Conor, but even the, uh, Daniel Cormier and Joe Rogan said that was the mistake of the fight. You don't go for that that early, especially when you're not. It just that you weren't going to pull that off. And I knew immediately when he came down in the first couple of seconds when he had the guillotine and he didn't tap him, like, yeah, he doesn't have it. I've never seen an athlete make just kind of like a regular step back and their whole ankle breaks. I mean, I've seen, you know, a light tweak, a light sprain when you make a, you know, a little step back like that in any sport. Obviously, in, in MMA, you don't have your sneakers on, so that makes more of a chance of something like this happening. But didn't you find that the way he broke his ankle really weird? And have you ever seen anything like that before? Well, the two times that's happened in MMA – um, it was involved with Chris Weidman. So Anderson Silva broke his shin on Chris Weidman when he checked the kick 
And then later on, same thing happened to Chris Wyman, but this time Chris Wyman threw the kick and broke his shin. So I've yeah, seen there was, that. There was, but, there was no kick here. It was just a step back. Yeah, yeah. So what Dustin Poirier was saying was when Connor threw one of the original leg kicks, he attacked Dustin's leg. He pointed at him. You can go watch the fight. So when Connor threw a kick, he didn't even check it, which is really weird. When you check it, you bring your shin up so he doesn't hit just flesh. It hits your bone to bone. He points at him and was like, he said he heard something, which makes a lot of sense. So if there's a slight break, all uh, it takes is the long movement. Yeah, that's what happened. OK, OK. Now it makes more sense to me, Max, because if your ankles are in place and you make a light step back, like that, I'd never seen anything. Right. So now you're saying it was compromised and that makes a lot more sense. Right, right. And I'm not a doctor by any means, but I went and watched, like, I'm a nerd with this stuff. So I went back and watched it several times already. And you can see Dustin wasn't lying. Like he said in the post interview, I'm like, let me see if he really did that. And so when you watch the fight, you could see he literally does like a slight point. Like I heard that. And right when Con after Connor threw the, the kick. But what's weird is you think the break would happen just like thereafter, but it took a while for it to happen. Again, I guess it just needed the slight weird movement and pressure for it to be a clean break. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about this before, Max. I thought McGregor was going to retire after this fight, and you thought that Dustin was going to win this fight while watching it. So that means, basically, the way Conor lost might have actually made him more money in the long run. Yes, no, 100%. It's so weird, because I don't wish injury upon anybody, but... Of course and not. I, and I don't, and, I don't think Conor... Injuries is the worst part of sports. That goes without. Yeah, it is. And I don't think Connor wanted that. And I'm not saying it's good for him that this happened. But in a weird way, it kind of is. Because he would have lost that fight. And so when you lose, considering how confident you were. And like, oh, this is the old Connor. And you're going to get a vintage Connor performance. And you didn't. And you lost again. Um, we would be talking about retirement. I said if he lost this fight, it's either he retires or he maybe fights Nate Diaz. Because that's the last trilogy he has left. Um, but if he wins, he's going to pursue that lightweight belt, which I thought the winner of this either one would beat Charles Oliveira. Um, but now the fact that it ended in the way it did, Dana White already confirmed a fourth fight. Um, Dustin Poirier already said it's unfinished business. Connor already started promoting it. So now Connor has some leverage to say, listen, I can still fight again, but I think he would lose. Yeah. So you'll be surprised if McGregor wins this next fight. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, like I said, if any, if there was any time to get the old Connor back, it would have been this fight. Um, and I just didn't see that now granted, like the fight wasn't over and it is the fight game. Anything can happen. So I'm not saying it was impossible, but, um, yeah, I just saw enough to say, and it's okay. You know, like he had hit every athlete gets old over time or you lose your little step and it happens to the best of them. And it's just, it happened to him a little sooner than we thought it would. On the very same day of that fight, a little bit earlier, Team USA lost to Team Nigeria. It was only an exhibition, but it was a big surprise. I was surprised how little Twitter talk was happening um, during the game. Like I wasn't here, like I was watching it. I'm like, nobody's even talking about this. And Nigeria is playing really well. And then they start pulling away and you start to see it more on Twitter. But it was just interesting. And there are a few guys that still have to join the team. Uh, D-Book is one of them. But the roster construction for the team is a little bit... There are some things missing with this team. I think they'll still win the gold medal. Um, they don't really... Ha they have a lot of ISO scores. I mean, these ISO scores are the best in the world, like Jason right. Tate and Kevin Durant. They don't have a lot of guys who are connecting pieces, guys who will facilitate, guys who are true point guards. Some of their best facilitators are big men like Bam and Draymond. What did you make of this loss? I still think Team USA wins gold, 
but it was really interesting to see and kudos to Nigeria, man. They have some really good guys, some guys who played in the NBA, some guys who currently currently play overseas. And the interesting thing was after the game, they seemed like they felt they were going to win. If you watch the way they, you know, they reacted to their win, like this wasn't a big deal to them or it didn't seem like a big deal is a better way to put it. Right. I don't know if it was 2012 or 2016 when these teams played and it was like one of the worst blowouts of the Olympics. I forget what it was. I saw a picture of the scoreboard um, and it showed like LeBron on the bench and everyone on the bench. Um, Oh wait. So then LeBron didn't compete in 2016. I don't think. So yeah, then that that's exactly what it was. And so I'm sure in Nigeria, of course, every country, when you see team USA, you're circling it on your calendar to play your best game. Um, So I'm not making too big of a deal off of it because it isn't like the actual Olympics. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, this is outrageous. But at the same time, I think it is a wake up call for team USA, because like you said, it is a weirdly constructed Olympics team that we're used to seeing. It doesn't really stack up compared to some of the past teams we've seen, especially like 2012, for example. But I do think it's a good wake up call for them because you are going to get the bet. You're the champions. You're the gold medalist. So every time you play anyone, you're going to get their best foot forward every single time. And so I think it's a good wake up call for them, especially because it's either gold or bust every time Team USA plays in the Olympics. You when you watch KD, he just gets any shots he wants. He just missed a bunch of them that day. He just missed a bunch of them that day, and still, yeah. it still went on a crazy streak at the end. When Zach Levine is a role player, I mean, you got a pretty good team. I'll tell you what's interesting though, Combo. Every time there's Olympics uh, games that happen. And players play with more good players. So this LeBron, you see it every year. You're going to see players start to like team up and form friendships and bonds and want to play with each other afterwards. Obviously, Daniel Lillard being the biggest of them all right now, as far as a free agent where he's going to go, he's in the Olympics. First time he's playing with these type of players. Um, another one they mentioned is Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal, how close they are and not knowing what Boston's going to do. Obviously with Brad Stevens in the front office, he may get rid of Jalen Brown for a straight up with Bradley Beal. Do you think there's any, um, interesting player combinations you're seeing now that may form into actual like teammates in the NBA. How about Dre and Dame? Put it with Steph. I mean, I, there was a report today about Golden State actually considering what the hell they can make it work with Dame. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting because you know, in Oakland, obviously Steph Curry is huge, right? But you know, Dame is from the area and he might be even bigger. He might be even more of a fan favorite Maybe not, but maybe maybe that's a stretch. But <laughs> he, he he is from the area, so that would be amazing. I mean, that would just be that would bring so much interest back to the Warriors, and obviously they'd be a legit title contender, especially if they figure it out with those guys. And then hopefully Clay comes back healthy. Do you think that's a realistic thing that could happen? It seems a little bit out of Dame's personality to go, you know, link up with Steph, but. It would be interesting. It does. It does. But if anyone were to have a recruiting pitch, we know it would be Draymond. So, I mean, um, I do think it's something to consider and everything gets leaked for a reason. Um, I just think, yeah, Damien is built differently and I'm not sure if he's all for just a super team, but at the same time, I think he's reached a point in his career where it's like, Dame, you're the second best point guard in the game right now. And you think you'd be better in Steph if you had a different situation. If there's any point in time, he changes his mentality. Like now's the time. And I, I think I said it on, um, Mo's podcast and I said Golden State to me I think is going to have the biggest offseason I don't know why well I do know why it's because they have so much capital when it comes to their draft picks they have salary cap to work with they have so many great players already a culture Clay comes back I don't know if they go for a dame I think they can make a pitch to Kawhi Leonard because you can still stay in the Cali area but yet 
you don't have to worry about being the leader. You can just be your assassin type self and just play basketball. I think they're going to have a crazy offseason where they land someone that we didn't see coming. Yeah, if they trade those picks, they better win a championship, man, because you could get some really good players in the draft, you know? So you could be selling your future for this one year. And I don't – are they the favorites if Clay, like if Clay comes back healthy, which I hope he does? I don't really think so. I think there's some teams out there that still might be better than them, you know? No, but what team is beating a Steph, Clay, and Kawhi? You know what I mean? Like if they oh, yeah. Oh, if you, oh, yeah, if you add one of those guys. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, well Brooklyn – Brooklyn could, an healthy Brooklyn could still. Brooklyn wouldn't stand a chance against that Golden State matchup because, for one, Steph Curry. I, now this is we're comparing the greatest, so I'm not tearing another player down. I'm taking if you go just lineup to lineup, like the tail of the tape. I'm taking Curry over Kyrie, and I, as far as a basketball fit, you're getting Clay back. We already know how that backcourt is in the chemistry. Clay plays defense, and then we're also getting a two-way player on Kawhi Leonard. All you have to do is plug and play. The culture's already set. Brooklyn. Their culture isn't set. Yeah, but they have Kevin Durant. But we would have Kawhi. Who's the, who's the best player on the court? And who's the cheat code? And then even when things get close, you could play great defense. And Bumble, really? I, I, I would say if Golden State... No, look, Gold, Kawhi, go, go, no, Golden State would be the favorite if they had Kawhi. I'm just saying, I don't. it's not a foregone conclusion if Harden, Kyrie... If, first of all, they played great all year with a lot of those guys out. So if Harden, Kyrie, and KD all stay healthy, with if you keep some of those, I don't know if you can keep Blake. I don't know what's going to happen there. But if you could keep that team around, I mean, that would be a good series if it, if it came down to that. But that's so far away. Team's got to stay healthy. Yeah, and that's if Kawhi goes there. But either way, I think Golden right. State will make a run. And Lakers, I think, will come back, obviously, aggressive and healthy, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been critical of Giannis in the past, but the way he's playing is just incredible. I'm convinced. I, I, I thought about it. I'm convinced he's going to win a championship. I don't think it'll be this year. I still think it'll be Suns and Six. But just his will, his determination, obviously the athleticism, what he does on both sides of the floor, I'm pretty convinced he's going to win a championship one day. He's just that determined. I don't think he does in Milwaukee. Yeah. I always said that, you know, and it sounds crazy now for the way he's played the past two days that, you know what I've said, that, like, as a second option, I think Kawhi, I think Giannis would win a championship but the way he's playing now, man, he really turned it up. He's he did he has, but he took, a leap. Also, he took a leap. Yeah, and look, I'm not trying to be the guy who's not giving him his flowers because yeah, obviously the stats he's putting up and what he's doing, he deserves it, and he is a phenomenal after, player. But my after after that knee injury, yikes. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's incredible what he's doing. But my whole thing is, we're one game away from having a completely different conversation. If Brooklyn is any what healthy, even just one of the players. I think Brooklyn beats them, and you and I are talking about what is Milwaukee going to do because I think they get rid of uh, Budenhoser. I think they get rid of – they start to contemplate is Giannis a number one or do we have to move positions? We're having a completely well, different combo. Yeah, if, K if KD's foot isn't on the line, Bud might be out. Yeah, Brendan just said on my show, he was like, if he wears a size 15, we're having a completely different conversation. Yeah, yeah. No, that, yeah, no that's true. That's true. That's how it always is. I mean, look, the day-to-day -day analysis, it's always like – Chris Paul, nobody's talking about Chris Paul all of a sudden, but he's had an amazing run in the playoffs. He's went through injury, but just because this is the day after they lost, nobody's talking about how great Chris Paul is, you know? So Right, right. It's true. That's very true. I just don't think – how much better can Milwaukee get? Like, next year, I don't think they're – I don't know if how much better Giannis can get besides changing his approach to the game. Like, hey, we need to play more of a center, like you and I have always said. But Well, he's changed it now. Like, more quick pick and roll – 
You know, they're, they're doing a lot of different things that they weren't doing before. He's, you know, more in the short corner waiting for it to get right. a dunk and they're mixing things up, which is really good, but I still think it's Suns and six. Me too. I think, I think next game is going to determine the series. I think Chris Paul knows that. And I think Suns win uh, game four. Are you looking forward to anything in this year's draft? Cause we've been covering the draft often. Is there anything that has any storylines, any prospects that you really like, anything you'd like to talk about with, when it comes to the draft? Well, I know you and I are very high on Cade. I know you're, you and I are pretty high. I know you're really high on Scotty Barnes. I like Scotty Barnes a lot too. I'm really interested in seeing Jalen Green. I mean, I mean, we're talking about the best players in the world, so I know everyone's already talking about them. But I think he has like an upside and it that may be a lot higher than we even think. Like, I think he put in the right situation is going to be. I think obviously Cade's going to be phenomenal, but I really think Jalen Green may be that guy. I, I really do because I talked about it in the past. Um, several drafts, usually like, like the first or second pick, you say underachieves, but recently it's like, no, Zion and Jaw work, and then RJ works, and then we have this, like, Luca. obviously Luca didn't go in the right back-to-back with Trey Young, but you look at all these past drafts, like, oh, wait, LaMelo and Edwards work? Like, I think both of them, I think they're all going to work. Yeah, I totally agree with you with Jalen, and what he's proven in the G League bubble, like, that was really impressive, and it went under the radar compared to what, like, Jalen Suggs did in the tournament and during the year because it was a bubble. It was more less casual fans were watching, you know, the G League bubble than casual. Yeah, fans. and and, and storylines do help. You know, storylines have helped some of these prospects, and they're really good. And that's nothing against Jalen Suggs. Green was just he just got better and better in that bubble, and the upside is really incredible. And obviously, he has elite athleticism, like high-end athlete and I think even his floor isn't even that low like he's going to be a 20-point scorer in the league yeah and that's the thing that's the that's the value of college though is having that that following that you could build your brand that way out to a traditional powerhouse school um there was did you have you watched any of the USA like the the younger generation with Chet yeah yeah Chet is good this kid Wemby he's he's definitely a unicorn and they're somewhat similar actually uh, both could protect the rib. They both could handle the ball. Man, they're both really good. And it's going to be interesting to see these players who are like guards at seven foot three when they start to get into the NBA. It's going to be like a small ball era, but with bigs with like seven. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, the next wave is insane. Combo, I think you know more basketball than anyone I know. I think you watch, I think you consume more basketball at every level and form of it, whether it could be college, G League, NBA. Um, high school, AAU. I feel like you just have your pulse on every every layer of the game. You know, basketball is my thing. Like, you're MMA. You're basketball. I know you do. What's your favorite sport out of those two? That's what I want to know. Uh, I, I watch a lot of NFL, but I just I am not as in-depth with it. Like, I, I'll watch pretty much every game I possibly can and talk about it. And um, I'm, my, my family is originally from New York, so obviously Giants always have a special place in my heart. But I just know MMA was my first love and I've watched it in UFC one to every UFC now. And then UFC one. And those UFCs were incredible. Like you had dudes with one glove. You had sumo fighters fighting karate guys. You know, that was ridiculous. Now it's became its own niche and its own sport. Um, It's too big. It's too big to even call a niche, but it's become its own sport where everybody's kind of more similar, you know? That's what it that well, that's what it was about. And MMA was just, hey, let's take your boxing versus this jiu-jitsu guy. Let's take this Muay Thai versus this judo guy. 
And then there was no rules besides no eye gouging or groin hits. And then before you know it, Royce Gracie, who knew jujitsu, the smallest guy, wins the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, like, wait, what's jujitsu? And that just—it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, most definitely, Max. Uh, this was great. It's really great hearing your insight on mixed martial arts and basketball. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Everywhere combo. My name is my brand, so you can find me Instagram, Twitter, uh, Max Van Ock, and my podcast. Um, the Max Van Alken podcast, the MVP, Apple podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, everywhere. You just type in my name and whatever you want to find me on YouTube, social media. It's all just my name. Later, Max. Talk soon. Talk soon. Hey, there it is. Another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. And thank you to everyone who listens to the show across the globe. Big thanks to Max for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down, as I said, on that subscribe button. Punch down the follow button if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app. Share this episode, man. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O on Instagram. A great way to support this podcast is to join in as a Combos Court Patreon member. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Be on the lookout for episode 275. Combo out.